1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking
1: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On our good behavior, Tom Heineber. Hey everyone, it's MD and Tom Heineber. Hello, I'm here as well. Tommy T-Bones. This is a live morning show that we do for the podcast listeners. You don't get it live because that would be weird. How Mm -hmm. do you even do that, Tom? I don't know. Uh, Quick shout out, quick little bit of housekeeping. We are now gonna be offering CME, CEU credits for anyone who can take ANCC or ACCME accredited stuff. Please don't ask me, is that paramedics? Is that pharmacists? Just shut up, (laughs) go to your board, your local board website and see if they take those credits. If they do, you're covered. Docs, nurses, nurse practitioners, PAs, we know they're covered, y'all may be covered too. And so the way it'll work is for supporters who sign up using the button that we'll link to you if I do a video on measles, say, which is coming soon, you can watch the video, go to Physicians Weekly's website, log in, and take a quick two-question pre-test, post-test, and get your damn credit, which means the funniest frickin' CME on the planet, because CME frickin' sucks. But wait, is this for RTs? Shut the hell up. All right. I, can I tell you, Tom, this is one of my pet peeves. And yet I allow it because I know people are so excited, and our audience is a cross section of the entire universe of healthcare. But anytime I do anything, the number one comment is forgetting about RTs again. I'm like, bitch, I made you a whole music video on my own dime. I had no sponsors because you people are broke. You know, RTs are an intolerant minority. They really are, they really are. They really. You know, it's, it's almost like they specialize in feeling left out. Like they're professional, nobody cares about us. Uh, we do. There's something going on there. What's at the heart of that? Like, it's, a, it's a really good question, actually. I've been trying to figure this out because ever since I started doing Dog, I've been getting messages from RTs. And no matter what I do to make it better, Make them their own video. Mm -hmm. Keynote at their organization's address. Um, Get a standing ovation there. I still get angry, annoyed messages from RTs. Yeah, continue to ignore us.
0: What the hell, dude? Would you say say that they're the middle children of medicine? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is. All I know is I couldn't function without them, that they're awesome,
1: that they have a skill set that no one in the hospital has. So I don't understand. See, this is, okay, let me say something. Mm -hmm. Indian people. Okay, it's gonna come back to this. We did this video over the, over the weekend in Victoria, Texas. We can talk about that, but Indian people don't give an F what you think about them. They don't care whether you're racist against them. They don't care if you're discriminating against them because they already know they're the shit. They don't care. RT should do the same thing. You guys know you're awesome. You know you're crucial. You don't need anyone's approval. You don't need anyone's attention. You're
0: already awesome, isn't it funny that that's kind of like a prerequisite for uh, success in America is just not giving a fuck what people think?
1: <laughs> it kind of is
0: yeah. The more you care about what other people think, the less
1: successful you're bound to be
0: right. You know, I got to I got to say I've been in a lot of these rooms with you with like high level people in medicine. You know, CEO, CMO, CTO, COO, all the all the COO, whatever the C suite as we yeah. like to call the, them. Tom, the C suite on LinkedIn. You're know the first, You know how dumb I am. The first time I heard somebody say the C suite, they were like, "We're going to interview a bunch of these C suite executives." I was like, "Oh, so these are like the C level guys? Like these? Where's the A level dudes? You know." <laughs> You're like, why would de- so, so dealing was, with candy company I was tra- workers? I was treating these uh, <laughs> these executives like they were pieces of shit because I was like, when do the good executives get here? Exactly, you know? and it's
1: like the CEO
0: of you know Mark. But being in all these rooms, it's it's so obvious that that none of these people care about anything but money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. And there's a but there's a lot of talk about the mission, and you know, our, what well, our mission see, You know, we're really focused on data enabled uh, tech structures within the hierarchy of the matrix of medicine. Of
1: course. And I'm and all I hear is, uh, we want mo money. We're trying to build the digital cash for just Mo money. Yeah, exactly. That's right. DCR. Right. <laughs> mo money. Let's read some comments. Cindy Bernard, who is a supporter. Wait, wait, wait. I'm a muggle. What about my CMEs? <laughs> <laughs> so actually the muggle CME, you get to audit the course. That's you know, like true. the cool kid in the back mm-hmm. of that course at Stanford on philosophy where you're like, hey, excuse me, I'm not paying tuition for this, so I'm gonna ask a real annoying question. Uh what is philosophy? <laughs>
0: What's funny is, as a muggle, talking with you about healthcare every day for the last two and a half, three years, i uh, I still know nothing and everything. you know what I mean yeah a- about medicine. If you wanted to talk about the business of medicine, I could talk to you for hours about how things interoperate. If you wanted to talk about like pathophysiology, I have no idea. You know, what I mean? that's true. Like what goes on inside the actual body, zero. You
1: know, you're actually teed up to be an administrator. Exactly. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. you're perfect. I, and this is actually Tom Heinover. Let's think about this for a second. Okay, you're a bearded, six foot three, white man. Um, you are perfect for leadership. Yeah. Even though you know nothing about medicine beyond some of the business stuff we've learned. That's all you need to do. I think you know what Just everybody. Be tall. And white. Be tall, white. (laughs) (laughs) It helps that you can string some sentences together. Yes, That's that's always a good thing, although it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. I've seen some CEOs who are like, yeah, competition, don't like it.
0: I'm like, here's the thing about the blockchain, people, okay? (laughs) They're moving to a proof of stake model, but what we really need is a proof of work model, okay?
1: (laughs) KK Moody, ER doc, friend of mine, Tom in the C-suite, that's all she says. Yeah. It's true. That's gonna be my children's book. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Bell. Uh I was an RRT registered respiratory therapist before I went to medical school. There were three RRTs in med school with me. We ruled the universe in medical school with uh, uh with our cool, calm demeanor. Wow. Actually go. that doesn't surprise me at all. That would be a huge asset going into med school. Because mm-hmm. they are already, they've been in every code, they've been yelled at, they've been ignored, and yet they run the show. They know how to use to work the vent. They know how to suction that airway. They know how to do the IPPV. Do you know what that is? No idea. Uh, people who have a lot of uh, inspissated mucus secretions, these mm-hmm. dried mucus like people with cystic fibrosis, bad ears, that mucus gets stuck all up and down the uh, bronchial airways all the way from alveolar level up through the big bronchi. And they, they put this device on that goes and like basically smacks you on the back or they do it with their hands. Yeah. And it loosens up mechanically these secretions so they can be coughed up. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I taught you some pathophysiology. You were like, I don't know any physiology. i worked with you for three years and I've learned nothing.
0: All that just went in one ear and <laughs> out the other. You know, it's funny because when we were in... Uh, we you were have to in, want to learn. To when know. we were in Texas shooting the music video, one of my crew members, his name is Ethan and uh, <laughs> Ethan is a uh, simple folk as we like to say in the South and he would ask Z all these questions about, you know, basically uh, diet and nutrition. And he'd be like, hey Z, I I heard... I heard if you eat nothing but banana peels, you'll live forever. And Zay would be like, well, the interesting thing about that is, and going into this whole <laughs> dissertation... <laughs> It was it was the funniest
1: freaking thing you guys. Like it was like Tom, Logan, Ethan Chanston and me and we were ruling Victoria, Texas. They were such wonderful people. But yeah, Ethan would keep going, "So Z, ha- have you heard about this bulletproof guy? He, the coffee guy? Like I'm thinking I could lose a lot of weight with this guy, man. He's like he's like really on point, man." And I'm like, "Well, the thing about ketosis, Ethan, you have to understand is it's a restriction type diet." Now, anything is better than the standard American diet. And let's go. And and then he would stop me and he'd go, "Z, you said a word I don't understand. You said diet. Could you tell me what diet is? And then I go, let's operate from first principles about diet. Hey, wait, wait, excuse me, sorry. What's first principles? <laughs> I know, it was, it was so great. It. He's actually a really smart kid. Yeah. But he, he just, he, I mean, that's not his field of knowledge. Diet or first principles.
0: <laughs> what Hey, what's up with Dave Asprey? Because a lot of people think he's a scammer. And so for anybody who doesn't know, he's the bulletproof coffee guy. And he has this whole like line of bulletproof products. And uh, one of his big things I know is that he, he thinks that all coffee is infested with mycotoxins. Yeah. What's the deal with this? I don't know much about him, except I read some of his stuff about these mycotoxins, uh-huh. which sounds
1: to me yeah. made up, made up. Yeah. And in fact, probably is. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, I, I can't badmouth him without really digging into what he does. Mm-hmm. I'll say that he was talking about avocados and he was saying, you have to remove the black parts of avocados, anything close to the skin, because it's full of these toxins. And first of all, the word toxin is not... It's just it's misused by every single one. He's trying to sell you. Something. Also, who who's eating the black part of the avocado?
0: <laughs> Those avocados are no good. <laughs> Me, Tom Heineberg.
1: <laughs> I'm like, I'm not wasting this. Is a, shit's expensive. Like a dollar fifty for an avocado. I'm eating every part of that. I'm like the Native Americans. I will use every part of the avocado. I'm eating the pit. You know what I'm saying? I'm using it to just like put it in my mouth to practice like Cicero my you know,
0: speech. You know people who have those fancy, those fancy blenders, the Blendtec or the Vitamix or yeah, yeah. the Ninja or whatever? They Some of them blend the pit. What? Yeah, they'll throw in the whole avocado. That's so bitter. That dude uh, that we made fun of, the ultra runner guy, um, Rich something. Oh, oh, Rick Roll. Rick Roll. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he does that. And oh, I was like, wow, what's the point of that? Dude. There's no point. See, didn't his mom ever tell him?
1: That if you eat an avocado seed, an avocado tree will grow in your belly mm-hmm. because my mom told
0: me that and now I don't eat those seeds, all right? I also don't
1: eat any other seeds or vegetables.
0: I'm still coming to the terms with the fact that as an adult whose metabolism has slowed that I am going to have to be on some sort of perpetual diet now for the next 50 years of my life and that sounds horrendous. I love how you're, you're approaching 30 and you're like, my metabolism, <laughs> th- I'm 40 freaking
1: five Tom Heineberg. If I look at food wrong, I look like fat bastard. <laughs> I'm all of a sudden. Get in my belly. By the way, Cheryl Bennell says, love your video. Shout out from the San Francisco Bay Area.
0: Bay Area. Ooh. Have uh, you told the people officially about no, you in the Bay Area? No, not yet. Okay.
1: We're going to keep that for a special time. All right, we'll keep that. You know it for why? A because time. my kids my kids' school doesn't know yet. Ah. Uh, it's a long story. You it's could so probably long. infer what we're talking about pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? They won't. They won't. Um, <laughs> Aaron Sanchez, now we know your age. Man, I'm always talking about my age. I'm like, I'm old. By the
0: way, there's a good anecdote about your kid's school. Dana White, who's the president of the UFC, used to send his kids to the same school that your kids Mm. go to. And he went on the Joe Rogan podcast and they were like, hey, your kid doesn't know how to read. And he was like, yeah, I pay you fucking whatever a year. Teach him how to read. What, what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> I'm with that guy, man. You know? They make us get so involved. I have to go to so many things. Actually, I make my
0: wife go because I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, I got stuff to do and things. So, Me and Tom are doing a podcast. Uh, you and Tom are idiots. He made that, yeah, school. He made that school famous because they were acting hoity-toity with him. And he's, you know, he's like, I'm the head of the UFC. Just, yeah. That's your job, teach him to read. My job is to make grown men punch each other. That's amazing.
1: Uh, here we go, Stephanie Dyer. Mycotoxins are real, dude. They were once on the grain in Shejuan, China, uh, and, oh God, where'd it go? Ah, it scrolled up so fast and I, it's gone. Oh wait, no, there it is. Once on the grain in Shejuan, China and caused esophagus and gastric cancers. Well, there are certain toxins that are associated with certain agricultural products. For example, aflatoxin is associated with peanuts. And it is a carcinogen. It causes cancer. So, you know, w- especially in peanuts that aren't properly, you know, preserved. Right. Right? Uh, so George Washington Carver, okay, is responsible for an epidemic of cancer just by the 30,000 uses of peanuts or whatever he came up with. By the way, have you seen that show on PBS called The What If or What Is Show? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's amazing. It's all the
0: history th- told through like these character actors. And- Here's the thing about George Washington Carver. He's a punk ass bitch. Uh, I'll tell you why. Okay, because he invented all that shit with peanuts. He, he he couldn't figure out peanut butter. You know what I mean? That was one he didn't invent. Nah. What the hell? <laughs> it's not on his list. Really, <laughs> dude? It took. He wasn't uh, like, yo, we should just mash this up and put some sugar in there. It'll be delicious.
1: Oh, so Jiffy McDonald is the one who <laughs> invented peanut butter, right? <laughs> and then it took another busta to come up with uh, the chunky style. Well so
0: is a mycotoxin supposed to be like a sort of a fungus? Is yeah, that... I think
1: I think it's fungally based. Yeah. Yeah, because myco meaning fungus and toxin. So that would just poison. imply that
0: there are farming conditions where there's, you know, moisture on top of the beans or, or what? I don't get it. Like why is it a big deal?
1: Why does it happen, or why is it a big deal? Why would he think it's a big deal? I mean, I imagine he's looked at, like, a couple case reports or something and said yeah. that said these things in vitro in mice in cell cultures cause cancer.
0: What I would tell you just skeptically right off the bat is that he's looking for it because he wants to sell you his crap coffee. Well, that would be you my I mean? concern. Yeah. Again,
1: I, didn't, I don't know enough about it to take a shit on him. But I'd say some of the things he's saying are are spot on. Like, you know, he's he's got good stuff. It's It's kind of like Dr. Oz. If you watch, like— a week of Dr. Oz, you're going to get some good stuff out of it and you're going to get some stuff that you, it, it's like basically snorting uh, lie straight. Your brain is just going to melt, right? You're going to burn right through your uh, inferior sinus here and just melt your brain.
0: That sounds terrible.
1: <clears throat> it's what we do, people. We're terrible. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so congested. It might be the mycotoxins. Uh, Stephanie Dyer says uh, mycotoxins equal aflatoxins. Um, well, they are, I think aflatoxin is a type of mycotoxin, it sounds like. Um, there's that stubble again, Christian Kent. Tell me about my beard, Tom Heineberg, and how you made me shave it.:
0: It's ugly, and mm-hmm. I made Z shave it, you
1: know? <laughs> and then it and then it grew back partially. Uh, my wife wanted me to shave it. We took a poll, yeah, and sixty four percent of you A holes were like, keep the beard, just to piss my wife off. Yeah, And my wife was like, you know, I count as 100% of the vote. That's true. Because I'm not touching your face. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, it's not my face, I care. I'm kidding. Uh, the love your salty nuts or your nuts, says Tanya Smith. This is that
0: type of show, hey, apparently. There now. you go. Hey, uh, something I want to ask you about is, John Haight was on uh, the Rogan show, talking Saw about free-range kids and free-range parenting. Mm. And uh, what free-range parenting is, for anybody who doesn't know, is just, Old school parenting, where you let your kids go out and do things in the world, um, and you're you're pretty tight with your kids. Like you don't let them. There's no free range parenting at the Z household. You would be considered more of a helicopter parent.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think right. it's partially because every time I've let them free range, they've effed it up. Well, that's and, and it, but gotten that's, injured.
0: Isn't that part of the? That's part of the process. It is. Yeah.
1: But you know, it's funny because you could see Rogan was getting really triggered. Right. You know, he's got three girls or something. Right. And or a couple girls. I forget what it is. And he's like, Wait, 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 wait. You let your daughter. Walk around New York City. She's nine. Yeah, and she gets bagels for you. Well, she, she you know, and Jonathan Haidt was like doing his academic thing. He's like, well, you know, th- this is the thing, Joe. She 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 has a, she ha- she has a phone. She can reach me. Uh, I've taught her about the GPS. She always knows. She can call if she's lost. I'm like, well, and I can think what Joe was thinking. He's like, well, is she gonna call? when she's she's in the back. Of a, van. <laughs> of, a, of a van, because somebody offered her candy. Well, you know, I've told her, don't take candy from strangers. Okay, and this is the other thing. So what height teaches them, and again, I think he's right. The problem is I don't have the nuts for it, because my yeah. kids are dumb. They're not going to pull it off right. He says, you, you teach them, you can talk to strangers. You can just never go with them. And I'm like, but these are, and this is what Joe said, these are concrete creatures, these children. They're not going to nuance that out. They're, they're going to be like, well, but... But now he's saying that I should go with him, and he's a grown-up, even though dad said this, so maybe I should go with him. So it, it, it's tricky. The thing is, Hyde, Hyde is right. Statistically, you're more likely to damage your child by keeping them in and helicoptering them than you are to let them go and get bagels.
0: What's well, interesting, I think, I think it leads into a broader point about, um, you know, we used to have sort of uh, cultural battles over morality. And now since uh, religion has eroded uh, in large part— we kind of have cultural battles over safety, mm. right? Mm. So this is just another, yet another cultural battle, another we're, battle we're having over safety. Trans bathrooms are the same thing. It's a battle over safety,
1: right? Because parents are like, "Well, I'm not. I'm not sure. I want my child to be in the room with you know someone who's trans." Or, right. Uh, so it is. It, it's all the same thing. It, so relating to that, relating to safety, actually, we've I've gotten more messages about this one story than almost anything, and it's this thing in Arizona at this uh, oh, I forget hacienda nursing facility. Mm-hmm. So, young lady 29 in a minimally conscious state. It's not a it doesn't sound like a true vegetative state, but she's apparently, you know, is able to like move and respond to sounds and things like that. Uh was apparently impregnated allegedly Ugh. by a LVN nurse at the facility. Oh yeah, I heard about those. And she had a baby. <laughs> no one knew she was pregnant. Yeah. And so there's a lot to talk about and yet nothing to talk about. So here's what's nothing to talk about. This was a rape. Mm-hmm. We, don't talk, we don't sit around talking about different rapes on the show. However, so that's where it's, I, I'm just like, this is annoying. What do you want me to say? Well, there's a lot of nuance here. Like when this nurse, you know, inseminated, had sex with this woman right. who's in a minimally conscious state in a place where she's supposed to be safe in a nursing home. Yeah maybe there's some ins and outs there we should talk about. No.
0: No, it's like, just kill this guy. It's just straight rape. Yeah, just kill
1: him. Yeah, it's just not okay. So, but where there is nuance is what's interesting. No doctors or staff caught the fact that she was pregnant, despite her weight being 112 at baseline. Okay, that's crazy. Being skinny. And there were exam notes in the chart that said, abdomen is firm. You think? (laughs) She's like 18, eight months pregnant?
0: Well, this is this that's that's cognitive dissonance right there. Like they're just like, there's no way she can be pregnant. Just no way. They wouldn't even think about it. How could it happen?
1: Yeah. Well, this is where I think um, it becomes interesting because it bleeds into other ideas of what's on our radar. An artificial intelligence would have looked at that completely objectively and was 100% pregnant. And she's pregnant, bitch. Look, look, look at her. You can't see it. And the right. humans are like, wait, 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 wait. They're so biased.
0: Kind of says something about how um, the nurse uh, was able to get away with it and impregnate her in the first place, because this is how uh, psychopaths operate. Mm. You know, it's just like, oh, nobody would ever think mm. I'm back here having sex with the, <laughs> the unconscious women. They would never of
1: that. Stephanie Dyer says, have you seen him? You'd have to be in a vegetative state. Oh,
0: oh that's mean. I
1: could, I could imagine. And also true. And also, Stephanie Dyer, why are you a valued commentator but not a supporter? That hurts me. How dare you? I'm gonna stop reading her comments, what do you think? <laughs> uh, a supporter, Rochelle Lucart says, how can the people caring for her not report her being pregnant? Well, you know, you can imagine, okay, could she have ascites, which is, Fluid in the abdomen due to liver failure or
0: something else, or a tumor, you would still report that. You know the bigger uh, the thing I have to ask you, as somebody who doesn't know, but why was she kept alive in a ah. for ten
1: years? Well, so you talked you know? to the family was interviewed briefly in this article I read, and again, I'm this is all extrapolation, so don't take any of this as yeah. law. I'm speculating, and I'm going to put that right up front because I don't want to speak for them. It sounded like she. Uh, had a, uh, some intractable seizures as a child, mm-hmm. was left with brain damage. This was their child. They never let go. She was interactive enough, meaning appeared interactive in whatever state she's right. in, that the family felt that she was still in there. And, Hoping uh, for a miracle, yeah. Kept her alive. And so I can understand the difficulty letting go. I would not do that myself, but I, that's because, you know. And, and I think... And let, As we finish talking about this, that will segue nicely into this guy who's killing people with fentanyl Oh, Cleveland. right, 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 right. But so, because we're going to talk about that as well. Risa Dubois says, yeah, he's not an attractive person. I will say this. I think what you said is correct. He's not an attractive person because he's a rapist.
0: Well, can I tell you this? Me and my wife talked about this story a little bit. Or alleged rapist. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this story a little bit. And I was like, listen, if I'm ever in a vegetative state, kill me, okay? Yeah, I, I told my wife that too. I don't want ever anybody having sex with me while I'm... Well, actually, Sleep. on you know what second what
1: I mean? thought, it depends on who it is. <laughs> yeah. If he's beautiful, you know, I could take a hit. But no, actually, all joking aside, would you ever want to be in a vegetative state if you thought it was bringing your family comfort?
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, because it's about... I want to be killed. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. Sam Kinison used to have this bit about, um, you know, necrophiliacs. And it's like, you know, <laughs> oh, I died. And, you know, oh, now I'm going to Jesus. And, the, oh, What? Who's – oh, my God. You mean life keeps fucking you in the ass even after you're dead? No. <laughs> a great, I miss Sam Kennison. It was a great bet.
1: Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, it sounds like they weren't giving her proper care, says Amelia Bentley. Uh, they must have had to bathe her and move her on a regular basis. Otherwise, she wasn't even getting a decent standard of care, poor woman. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's – but th- this is true in a lot of – places, like long term. And Of course. I think, I think the staff also might be projecting some of their own value structure on – these patients, cause like you and me, we're like, well, I would never want to live like this. So you know, she's not even human anymore and so on. Totally. Which is, so that is a nice segue. Yeah, to the fentanyl. The fentanyl thing. So yeah. doctor in Car- Mount Carmel uh, Hospital, Ohio, a lot of people sent me this one, uh, was, is being sued by multiple patients because it became clear that he was giving heroic doses of fentanyl to ICU patients who were, who have said, okay, we don't want aggressive care anymore. And he's like, oh, I can make you comfortable. Here's a thousand micrograms of fentanyl IV. Mm -hmm. Now you have to understand just for dosing sake, like a hundred's a pretty good dose of fentanyl. A thousand is 10 times that. Now you can be habituated to fentanyl and that might be appropriate, but these were mostly little old ladies who were in the process of trying to die. And he did this never, from what we can understand, not disclosing to the family that this is, I'm gonna give them a lethal dose. Right. You should understand also it's not legal physician aid in dying in Ohio, to my knowledge. So in other words, if your intent is to hasten death, that's your sole intent, you, I don't believe you can do that legally in Ohio. Second, there was no consent to do this. So right. it was more make them comfortable. And he's like, oh, sure. Yeah. Now, what I've heard from the back end from people who've known him is that he doesn't really broach a lot of criticism of orders and things like that. And again, this is just people who've messaged me anonymously. And here's the difficult part. So he's writing these orders. He's an ICU doc, I understood, or was there? He's not anymore. Cleveland, mm-hmm. Cleveland Clinic took him out. Not murdered him, but because
0: <laughs> I know, <laughs> right. you know, they Cleveland pulled, Clinic just, they pulled him from rotation. Get, yeah,
1: get the helicopters. Toby Toby Cosgrove's in the helicopter. Just <laughs> um, they. It was the staff. So nurses, pharmacists. All are required to actually administer these very high doses. Right. Nurses are taught, pharmacists are taught to question orders when they appear crazy. And it wasn't clear that this was done regularly. They were, and so all of them are in trouble. And in fact, they're losing licenses. Yeah. So he's dragging this whole group of people now. Yeah. And
0: so here's the question. Who were, who were complicit.
1: Yeah, they were complicit. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, now, here's the thing. This is where it gets really interesting. This is where I this is why I think I we should I should have talked about this earlier, but I was really reluctant because I'm, it was another thing like it's a rape. What's right, the right, controversy? Right. And then again, the nuance starts to emerge. I posted the article about it to the ZPAC, and I framed it this way. I said, Yo, ZPAC, we all want to make patients comfortable. We all hate seeing suffering at end of life. It's mm-hmm. terrible. But isn't this straight euthanasia? And almost exclusively, people, with some exceptions, people were saying, dude, I hope I have a doctor who does that for me. Yeah, I wish we could do this. This guy's a hero. This is kind of how I felt when I right. heard the story. And, yeah. and kind of so did I. Kind of Kevorkian-esque, like, so did I. But here's the problem. And again, like, and I think we should dive into double effect of these drugs too. So we can do this already in a way that utilizes something called double effect. So in other words, you, you, the goal is, you're trying to keep a patient comfortable Mm-hmm. Like you know, your dad was recently in hospice, yeah, and you
0: had to crank the morphine. You were wishing they had it cranked it more. I well, I was basically uh, asking for this because my father had had told me his wishes were, "I want a big dose of opiates, and that's kind of how I want to go out." Mm. And so I, I kept asking the NP, "Dose them up, you know? Yeah, double the dose, triple right. it, like right. just give them whatever." You know, and what was
1: the resistance?
0: Um, I think she felt that he was comfortable, mm. and so she didn't want to speed the death process. And I was like, eh. Yeah. But I had had the conversation with him, and he wanted that. Right. I don't know. It's, it was in a weird gray area. So this is a gray area because... I didn't you- I didn't feel negatively about her, but I felt like I wished I could have... I, what I was basically asking her for was like, hey, just remove the restrictions on the bolus, yeah. and I'll just bolus it until... Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. now see that's because this is I mean I'm talking this was like I'm having this conversation with her three days before death when he's in a coma. exactly you know? exactly. so so this brings me to double effect.
1: So it is a little it's ethically questionable and illegal to give that drug with the sole intent of hastening death in in, in most states. So in other words, if I, if you ask me to do that, I want, I want him to pass away. this is what he wants. He asked me to do it. I want to die. I need you to give me this. I can't technically write that order with that rationale. What I can do though is something called double effect. So I know you're uncomfortable, I can give you more of the drug, knowing that the side effect, the second effect of that drug is gonna be the hastening of respiratory depression and death.
0: Right, right. And that's how we do that. Th- this is probably why I, why I didn't actually get what I want is because I was being honest with her right. instead of just being like, well, he's he uncomfortable. Looks, he looks very uncomfortable to me. Right. And- that's the code word. Right. No, so, I know. And yeah. It's, but it's just... It's lying. I shouldn't have to talk. I shouldn't have <laughs> yeah, to talk yeah. in code. I'm with you. You know what I mean? I'm actually... I,
1: I am a proponent of physician aid and dying for those who want to do it. Yeah. It needs to be very carefully managed because it can go off the rails very quickly. And we take a certain oath, right? And it, it's uncomfortable for many doctors. They really don't want to do it. It's actually yeah. was opposed by the physician lobby for many years.
0: But you feel very strongly about... Every time, every time I bring it up with you, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't
1: want to... I will not... Be met, I will not be in a position where I feel like I'm an executioner. Yeah, That's the thing. But what I will do, and I've done this as a hospitalist, is use second effect, Yeah, where I will get someone so comfortable that I know they're not suffering and I know that death is being hastened. And so that's what this guy should have done. And maybe in his mind, that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. But what ends up happening is it, there's no other indication for that dose in these patients except for, and when you look at when they died, it's like 20 minutes after that dose was given. Yeah. So he's giving a lethal injection, and that's and that's the thing. I'm very aggressive. I really want people to be comfortable. I think end of life is done terribly. I do believe that physicians should have the choice, the ability to do aid in dying in collaboration with patients. The second problem is there was no consent. Yeah. So he never. Family was never like you know we want him to die.
0: Well, put it like that. Put it in these terms. <clears throat> uh, I think what my father was getting was um, eight mil of morphine with an eight mil bolus. So mm-hmm. only 16 total, I think, during the hour.
1: Mm. So eight as a basal rate and eight as a bolus. Yeah. That's a pretty high dose for someone who's not had a lot of narcotics. And
0: this was at the very end. Right. Like the, it was titrated up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so this guy was giving 1,000 at a, once. Of fentanyl, which is right. highly which potent. Which is higher. It's micrograms, yeah.
1: but it's highly potent. I, I don't know the conversion, but it's very, it's a lot of morphine equivalents. Right, right. In fact, some pharmacists, I think, in the comments should do this conversion for us. What is 1,000 of fentanyl?
0: IV in morphine equivalents please let me ask you this as somebody who's seen uh people die from different opiates do you think that dying from opiates is a good way to die
1: you can only imagine it's it's sedation and respiratory depression together so you might be unconscious while you stop breathing in which case that's an ideal if you're conscious and you notice you're not breathing well that's less ideal that's serpent in the rainbow type shit right and that's what happened with that poor um nurse at Vanderbilt who accidentally gave Vecuronium instead of Versed, Uh, it's very different. That's a terrible way to die. Um, And we've talked about that case before. Um, (laughs) Amelia Bentley says, don't make me do math. Yeah, that's true. Don't make me sing, Amelia. Kim Leach, as a nurse, it's our responsibility to question orders. Now, this is important. It is, Mm -hmm. Um, and leave our own personal opinions out of it. There's no way I would administer lethal amounts
0: of medication knowingly and without consent. Yeah, that's another thing about it. When I talked to uh, about my with my wife about this, my wife is always in fear of losing her license when she when she was a nurse, and and she would second guess doctors all the time. And if she, you know, there were many times that she would come home and be like. I'm worried about losing my license because, mm. you know, she felt bullied or pressured mm. into doing something that she knew was probably not right for the patient. Yeah. You know. Oh, this she, is But tough. she maybe wasn't senior enough to speak up about it. Then when she became charged, she had more uh, say over things. You know, she was the charge in the ER. So she, she would tell people when it was wrong or she didn't think it was correct. And then there was less of that. Oh, yeah. She was less senior when she was just starting out. Lots the, of that. This is
1: something worth diving into because you know a lot of nurses are commenting about how it's the responsibility to question orders. It is. But here's the thing. We've talked, and again, I'm gonna bring it back to Jonathan Haidt because I just do that on every show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coddling of the American Mind. We've created this next generation of very fragile individuals who do not take criticism. They do they're scared of uh, sort of this direct confrontation with authority because they're often turning to authority to resolve little conflicts. Right. And so imagine a doctor tells you, I want you to give five, uh, I want a thousand of fentanyl on a bed nine. Well, bed nine's a little old lady in the ICU who's not on hospice. Yeah, just don't question my order, give it. Yeah. And she gets yelled at once, or he gets yelled at once. They're terrified. From then on, it's just blind obedience. This is, ter- this is horrible. Right. <clears throat> and, and some other older nurses have been telling me, on the back end that they see this in the younger nurses they're afraid they don't want to have conflict with the doctors but the truth is we need that as a doctor I want my shit questioned
0: yeah because I will make mistakes this is um obviously not the norm but I think it's symptomatic I've heard stories of you know doc showing up to interviews with their mom oh i mean If there's anybody who I don't want to show up with their mom to an interview- It's a doctor. With their mommy, it's my doctor. This has gotten out of hand, man. And now I'm really thinking about,
1: you know, Heights, helicopter parents, and just letting my kids go get a freaking bagel. Totally. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, the thing is, yeah, well, you, you grew up nobody cared where you were no I was right? latchkey man yeah 100% me yeah. too mm-hmm. and uh, I don't feel this helicopter parenting thing I mm-hmm. don't feel like I should like ask somebody if I, it's okay to do whatever I'm like no yeah, I'm, I'm just an do adult. It I'm gonna do whatever I feel but like
1: but what's weird is I still have, feel the tendency to helicopter my kids because it's such a cultural thing now Like, you know, it's like, probably because you feel like the world is more unsafe but all the evidence suggests that the it's opposite getting safer the opposite know? but we have a, as humans we have a negativity filter so when, I, when, my ki- when my oldest kid was one I was letting her jump on the couch and she fell and hit her face on the side of uh, a coffee table that we hadn't protected because we were like, you know, she's old enough now, she's okay. And I'd take her in and get her stitches, yep. one years old. Then my uh, other kid was just playing on the floor and slipped, mm-hmm. goofing off at nighttime and needed three stitches in her chin. And I'm like, you know what, okay, part of me is like, I, if I had just helicoptered them a bit, it would have saved so much trauma and grief. And then part of me is like, you know what, they're going to learn not to be little assholes. (laughs) Like, just don't. You're going to learn how to take risk and learn what
0: happens when taking risk fails. Yeah, everybody has scars, and those scars, as long as they're minor, it's it's very, it's whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I mean, I had a green stick
1: fracture of my left arm falling downstairs as a kid. I have a million scars from skateboarding. I took a lot of risk. I used to, I was a pyro. My parents don't know this. So I was in fact I don't think I've ever talked
0: about this. Every young boy is a pyro. Yeah, but yeah. I was an order of magnitude. I don't but, know if you I don't know if you could out pyro me, dude, because uh, I uh, would make Molotov cocktails and things. Okay, that's
1: impressive. But you know what <laughs> I used to do? So we did the hairspray flamethrower thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So listen to this. Um, me and me and my buddies in Fresno, Clovis, California, in the out in the orchard, we would just light fires, fire off hairspray, little bombs and things, firecrackers. And one day I lit the orchard on fire pretty damn close. Like it started spreading through the brush and I started stomping on it. I Uh melted, melted through both my sneakers and barely put that thing out, but it could have started a massive fire and, um, got away with it because I, I, it was risk. You know, I took the risk and it paid off, but it could easily have gone the other way. Now my buddy, my good friend in high school did the same thing. He was in his garage with his friend and they decided to light the tip of a hairspray container on fire. You know, the nozzle yeah. and it started melting and then they got behind a box to hide from it. Yeah. Nothing happened. He gets up to go check on it, walks over there and it explodes. And his entire, he had like 90% body burns. Yep. The next thing I'm visiting him at uh, UMC hospital in Fresno and he's looks like a mummy, he's covered in sylvanine dressings, he's clicking the morphine PCA. And that was my first interaction actually with the healthcare system on that level. Yeah, With narcotics, with a friend who got burned, with surgeons, it was crazy. But that's risk and reward. Pro
0: tip for anybody who has a middle school age boy, uh, non-dairy creamer is highly flammable. So if you ever see a middle school age boy stealing non-dairy creamer from whatever coffee house you're at, yeah, they're gonna light it on fire 100%. (laughs) Uh, you know, it's
1: funny. I'm just sitting here laughing because in college we found this out. <laughs> yeah. And you know who taught us was this German exchange student. Right. We go to Taco Bell on Fisherman's Wharf because we were broke with this German exchange student. He's like, yeah, this uh, San Francisco is very dirty compared to Berlin." And I'm like, "You shut your white hole, all right? This place is diverse. Berlin's a bunch of white people." That was back. That was young Z. And, uh, and I'm still right. And w- what ended up happening was he goes, look, watch this. And he takes a packet of non-dairy creamer and yeah. lights it right there. And both me and my roommate looked at like, you could just see the, you zoom into the eyes, you just see fire. And we're like, this is it. We went to Costco that day, bought a Cremora jug this big, went to the lounge in our, in our high rise dorm apartments and dumped it off one balcony. Uh-huh. Had a torch underneath. underneath, yep, and the entire side of the building f- flared up in this huge. It's like a grain size fireball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All my, uh, all my eyebrows burned off. All my arm hair burned off. And the fire department came because they were. It was, someone reported it because they're freaking snitches. And you know that snitches get stitches. And they were. They, they had no idea what it was. They were like they they like this white powder on the thing, and then he like wipes it and goes,
0: I don't know what this is. And, and we're like, that's good, because nobody did this. It was crazy. I can't tell you the amount of times that I almost blew myself up. Like, so many times. You know, we found out we, you could put a mortar upside down in its tube. Oh. You know, if you put it upside down, it would blow up the tube. Right. It's like a mini pipe bomb, basically. Oh, my. So, By the way, nobody tried this at home. One time we were doing that, and uh, my friend tripped as he ran away from it, and then he was stuck there, like, three feet from the explosion as it went off. <laughs> Still has, the, uh, still has the scars, of course. Stephanie Dyer, who's still a valued
1: commentator but not a supporter, says, "Is that why you're bald now?" <laughs> <laughs> it's possible, Stephanie. It is possible. My husband's uh, over here going, hell yeah, mom, dairy creamer is the best. Michelle Anderson.
0: It's got to be so hard for um, single mothers who are raising boys. I always think about this because you don't know what it's like to be a testosterone junkie until you're a former addict yourself. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like,
1: it's really true. You know, Kathleen Bratcher says, going uh, to be a raid on Walmart shelf, sold out non-dairy creamers. <laughs> All of the Z-Dog
0: nation goes to trial the burn method. <laughs> And here's the thing, 13-year-old boys, they know this. They know this already. They deeply yeah. know it. They don't you need know I mean? mom to tell them. Yeah. They know it intuitively.
1: They're like a small, and they'll even give you explanations. They'll be like, well, it's a, a high-carbohydrate uh, lipid molecule, very flammable as it is, and you lower <laughs> the surface area by making it very small. You particulate it, include, expose uh, oxygen to the surface, and then give it an ignition source to and you get the
0: activation energy, and you're, and you're like, "How come are you? How come you're failing math?" Yeah, exactly. You're like, because there's no fire there, mom.
1: You're in detention every night. Oh, you know what? You just let him, let him, you know, learn by trying. Let him learn by doing. He'll be, a, he'll, he'll freaking make the next Falcon rocket. <laughs> um so let's see what are our learning points so far don't rape people in a nursing home shouldn't do it step one Mm -hmm. step two don't give a thousand of fentanyl as an intent to kill someone without consent in a state that allows physician aid in dying use second effect and make people comfortable that way yep learn a new thing yep and uh what else what else do we want to talk about what else going on in the news uh there's some shit going on in the news What's going on? Well, there's this whole abortion thing that I'm really, I don't even want to get into. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Okay. Of course you want to talk about uh,
0: it. (laughs) So in New York, it's now legal to um, kill any child, basically, that's still in utero. Is it not? Hold on, hold on. That's how I read the law.
1: I want one thing here. Elizabeth Alexander says 1,000 micrograms of fentanyl converts to something like 75 to 142 milligrams of morphine. Mm, That's a lethal injection. All
0: right, anyway, so back to this. So, yeah, you can basically have third trimester abortions now uh, elective. uh, Yeah, because the way they wrote the law, it says it has to be for a medical purpose, but if you read deeper into the law, the medical purpose is whatever the mother wants.
1: Uh, It's whatever the healthcare practitioner, I think feels is appropriate Mm. so this is where i think it's controversial i mean forget about whatever you think about abortion let's forget about that for a second they're saying it can be a nurse practitioner it can be a nurse midwife it can be a doctor
0: can i just give you my thoughts on abortion real quick before we get into it we really want to do this all right go for it here are my thoughts here are my thoughts on abortion yes when it's a collection of cells right Mm -hmm. that's that's fine Mm -hmm. you can abort that as we slide down further the scale to a full term baby, mm. there's somewhere in the middle where mm. it's not okay. This okay, so, is how I feel about it. Sure, and I think it's 24 weeks. Sure, sure. So where's, but where now? Although we're... I've seen 23 weekers alive in the NICU. Right, So
1: see, my, my, see, I have trouble talking
0: about this because I may feel the same way. Mm-hmm. All right, let's say I do. I'm not, we, I'm, what I'm basically trying to say is I'm not super pro-life and I'm not super pro-choice. Right. I think there's like a, a middle ground. Right, see,
1: this is the thing, I may agree with you, Maybe I think like any, you know, uh, uh, abortion is uh, some kind of uh, ending of a life. It doesn't matter what I think. As a male, it's never my decision to make. So I have to defer to my female colleagues and go. You know what? It's your body. You have to work this out. Yeah. You know, and and it's tough because a lot of times it's done without a lot of support and so on. And so that's where I think
0: you know. I mean, we're both pro-choice. The thing is, you shouldn't be able to have third trimester elective abortions. That's that's crazy. Like, yeah, it's your choice for the first six months. It's, is <laughs> you know, it, it's
1: irresponsible. It's crazy irresponsible. Unless there's some extenuating circumstances, like it was a rape and they're trying to decide. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we can't put our minds into. But see, when I was doing stuff at San Francisco General and OB, you know, we would see elective late second trimester abortions. Yeah. And it was traumatizing to me because... You, you watch it on an ultrasound and, and this is the thing, like, you know You're seeing it trying get
0: you're seeing the baby try and get trying get away to get it. Yeah. Yeah, that's terrifying.
1: And and so no matter what you think about women's choice and rights, which I will support until I die, it still is very uncomfortable for me personally. So when I see a story like this, then I'm very conflicted. Because I understand what they're doing. They're seeing this new Supreme Court and they're saying, you know what, it's we're gonna go back to back alley abortions with with you know uh, coat hangers. And so they're taking this stance that they've been trying to take for years, but Republican legislature opposed it. So it's tough. And and I have trouble even.
0: When kind of, also midwives can now <laughs> perform abortions under this new law.
1: Well, so this is where I don't know. I don't know the answer to this. Like how competent are uh midwives and others do they even want to do this
0: yeah you know um and Dude, i think listen you make a law like this there's always going to be some asshole who's barely competent who's going to be doing it it's right? true no matter what it's true yeah. no matter what
1: now the other thing is like what do you think about states making these decisions versus federal i'm 100 federal
0: percent okay with states rights in almost every scenario I, I think states should have the right to to choose and if you don't like it you can move out in new york you know that's mm. how i feel about it mm. yeah do you think it should be federally mandated
1: I think there's a certain level of constitutional like, okay, you have to decide with the Supreme Court, okay, is this a thing or not? And then let the states tweak it.
0: It's always shifting too. Think about it as medical science uh, advances because you know we didn't used to have artificial surfactant and now we do. Right, so now viability is is, 20 or 20 some weeks. 23, they keep 23 weeks. Really tiny, yeah. It's crazy. You ever (sighs) seen a 23 weeker? I have. It's a real human, but I mean, it's a tiny micro human. (laughs) Yeah, I (laughs) know? know man,
1: it's tough. It's tough. And then this is such a, and it's an appro- this, this is the thing. This is an appropriately polarizing issue. So in other words, this is one of those issues where you cannot chide people for being emotional about
0: it. You just go, "You know what? Yeah." I think I can chide people for being too far on either end of the spectrum of anything. If you're if you're 100% uh, pro-choice or if you're 100% pro-life, I think I can chide you. Well, one of our things on this show is we're kind of the alt center. Right. So well, That's that's <laughs> right. the name of the show. It should the, be the, the Alt Center with
1: Tom and Z. <laughs> 'Cause you're a little you're a little center right, I'm a little center left, but we yeah. both kind of find some common ground at the middle, which doesn't happen much anymore. Right. You know, like people like Olympia Snow and um, Susan Collins and these guys in Maine, it doesn't matter how they vote, they piss off fifty percent of the electorate. Right. Uh, but they're as center as you can get. You know,
0: I've never... One of the things is uh, pushing me more towards the center and more towards the liberal side. I've never understood the conservative argument that, like, you know, you have to be 100% pro-life, but then also there are no social services for these yeah. children once they're born. Like, that doesn't make any sense to I, me. I'll tell you where and, I... And they and it's a, it's a you know... Uh, they would say, "Well, you should just abstain from sex, and, mm. and it's a purity thing." It's mm. it's like it's on, sanctity
1: and purity. Yeah. That's the moral flavor. So, listen, listen. I understand, and I see the comments already. Like, no, it's at the moment of conception; it's life. and No, it's a women's right. Listen, all of that fits your moral your moral um, uh, matrix, right? Yeah? If you value liberty versus oppression, if you love value uh, autonomy versus you know um, uh, subversion or uh, oppression, the, 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 these are sanctity versus degradation. Uh, authority versus subversion. There's right. a lot of different uh, moral foundations that make up your decision on abortion. And I think when we vilify the other side, it's difficult. Now, you can have arguments and say, well, you're not understanding a woman's right, and you're not understanding the moral foundation that I'm coming where I think this is a living person. Yeah. So I get emotional about it. You know, these kind of things are, I think are, are worth arguing about. One thing I'll say this is where I'll take a strong stand that's, I don't think, as center as I'd like it, but I'm going to take it very strong. Contraception should be covered. It should be moral, yeah, morally appropriate in every religion. It should be. Yeah. And it's not, and it's not. Right. So, you know, to me, that is absolute insanity that yeah. contraception is not okay. If you don't want to have an abortion, if you don't want to have an unwanted child, use contraception that's effective. Mm-hmm. And we should come up with male contraception too, because then it's really... I mean, beyond the condom, which is, as you know, bullshit.
0: Right. I mean, I, I think the Catholic Church. Uh, I just said that. The Catholic Church, you know, advocates for uh, family planning, you know, ov- ovulatory cycles. So they're like, yeah, like, that's totally cool. If you want to have sex, uh, you know, around the ovulation date, like, go for it. But they're, they, I still, I don't think they still, they don't advocate for the birth control pill. No, not yet. I'm pretty sure. And, you know, here's the thing. Okay. So the people that are really far right. Anything that um, prevents implantation is not abortion. It's not an yeah. abortion pill. Yeah. It's stupid to think that That's way. That's dumb. I agree
1: with you. And again, so Donna Lorde kind of says, says it well here. She's a supporter. If you're going to condemn abortion, don't condemn contraception or social services. You can't have right. it both ways. Well,
0: and we talked about this. Like when you look at Roe v. Wade, the, the crime rate dropped right yeah so because guess what no here's something that nobody wants to talk about right every single problem in society every single one is because of unwanted children you can trace them all all roads lead back to that
1: so adverse childhood experiences children who are not wanted who are abused neglected Uh fall into chronic disease crime depression mental illness look everybody in the prison system is somebody who wasn't wanted dude so i mean peter atia tells this story like he went to these prisons and they would do this game where everybody the visitors and the prisoners sat in a circle and they said, okay, everybody stand up who had two parents. Yeah. And all the prisoners are sitting, and the visitors, most of them stand up. Stand up everybody who, you know, was not uh, beaten as a child. You mm-hmm. know, and, and, and it becomes very clear that now so the question so let me play devil's advocate Tom. So you're saying we should abort our problems away? Yeah, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> I can
0: rely on Tom to make the provocative statements. No, but this, but actually, get, I don't want I don't want people having children who can't have them. And guess what? I'm not a conservative. I'm not like far right. So I think if abortion is the method that produces that result, then I'm okay with it. Mm. You know what I mean? But I'm not okay with the third trimester. I'm not like yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. have a long time to do yeah. it. You know. Let's
1: abstract that one level further. It's taking away somebody's reproductive choice, if you say you can't have an abortion at an early stage, let's say, let's say it's early stage, right. first trimester, let's say. Let's just be real easy. So first trimester, uh, if you take away their ability to make that choice, they're going to have a child. Either they give it up for adoption or they, or they own that child. Yeah. If the child was truly unwanted or a bad social situation, that child is destined for trouble. Most likely. Most likely. 100%, not 100%, right. but like 99.9. Yeah. It's so... In that case, we see now declining crime rates and Malcolm Gladwell and others, the Freakonomics guys have argued that this is an expression of Roe v. Wade in 1973 and the lack of a teen generation and a young adult generation, mostly men, who don't exist now, that would have been this uh, criminal class. Mm -hmm. It's really an interesting and provocative argument. It may or may not be true. Um... But again, does that justify, if you believe that this is a murderous thing that you're doing, does it justify it? Right. Right. And again, I I can see all sides on this now. When I was young, I was militantly, like I was pro-infanticide. I'm like, you know what? If an infant isn't wanted, you can put it on a hill like they used to do in the Spartan times. And just be like, you know, three hundred. <laughs> right, go, right, right. go out on your. I'll,
0: I'll make another uh, provocative statement. I don't think what we suffer from in today's society is a result of toxic masculinity. I think it's the opposite. I think we have a lack of fathers raising these children, mm. and so there actually there's a deficit in masculinity, and mm. this is causing a lot of problems. Yeah. So I, it, it's probably you know worse to grow up without a father than it is. I mean obviously like mm. you said the two parents example. Mm. You know what's interesting, Tom? So I have thought about this
1: a little and I realize I'm not qualified to talk about it because I've never had an experience of not having a father or not having a masculine figure in my life. So my dad was, you know, he's old school Indian dad. Right. Like, you know, he would exude, the, the, he and my mom are both doctors, but he, he's the man in the house and that's yeah. how he behaves. And it included taking off his belt when he was a kid and threatening us with the belt. He didn't hit us with it, but man, we would get threatened. And again, we've talked about corporal punishment and I, I don't believe in it, right? Yeah. And the data suggests that it isn't effective. But the thing is, that was my male model, uh, not Zoolander male model, but like mm-hmm. the male model of masculinity. So I cannot, I can't extrapolate to what it's like not having a father. Right. I don't
0: know what I, what I would have been like. Yeah, you know, it, you have to do these things as, as all all things being equal, which is which is something that people can never do, right? Mm. When you say all things being equal, it's better right. to have a father around. Right. That means all things being equal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because Pe- people always want to do the, the argument where they say, well, yeah, but what if the father's a drug addict? And right. if he's like, right, well, I'm saying all things being equal. Right, right, right.
1: Like placebo controlled.
0: Yeah. If you could make a clone. Exactly. And raise them different
1: ways. And that's the challenge is we just don't know enough. But Look, we can have these conversations. Like, you and I, we're pretty close to how we agree, actually, I think, overall. I think uh, it's interesting, because if 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 you're calling this show (laughs) Alt-Center, eventually you kind of try to figure out, where does the truth precipitate out? And it's strange, because it's often somewhere just to the left or the right of center. Yeah, Uh, It's never here no. No. or here never it never is so we have to really start waking up and going if you live here or yeah. here on the political spectrum maybe we got to figure out some intervention for you yeah
0: if you're the type of person that thinks that you know trump is the greatest thing since sliced bread and he's never done anything wrong and he's our fearless leader logan back you, there. fuck yourself <laughs> if if you're if you're on the opposite end of the spectrum and you think that uh, we should have one of these progressive wealth taxes like aoc <laughs> wants also fuck yourself The truth is in the center, okay? You know, the center might be a slightly
1: more progressive tax scale with some other stuff. I know, I know, Logan's booing me. Look, I'm coming center left. Did you hear
0: about Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax? She wants to tax assets. Really? Yeah. Wait, you mean stuff you own already? Stuff you own, if you're over $50 million net worth. She what wants to tax your assets. But see, this is the thing. Explain um, to me how you do it, Z. Explain to me how you tax assets. Well, I'd love to know.
1: You look at the accounting books of what your assets are mm-hmm. and your liabilities. Assets that are held
0: here in America. Right. So everyone's going to start buying Offshore. They're going to start offshoring their assets, and you're not going to be able to touch any of it. You know
1: how we talk about second effect for drugs? Uh-huh. That would
0: be the second effect for also, economics. Also, what, what gives you the moral right to tax money that has already been triple taxed? That, well... There's another thing. There's well, no a, right. You can
1: make that argument about estate tax. Although what estate tax, you can make a moral argument that what you're doing is preventing this sort of primogenitor of, of passing on wealth. This
0: is the same thing we always talk about. It's just straight up envy. They want to take it from the people that have it, right? <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean. it's 100%. Envy. I think they're trying to find
1: solutions to problems that have to do with money. I think we need a combined solution of revenue take, take
0: money take the creation of money out of the hands of the state that, that's that's the solution maybe that's the a solution problem. maybe a solution is we spend less on things that don't work and spend more on things that do that, yeah, that benefit everyone that'll
1: never happen well, but we can government we can loves dream. to we can <laughs> create dream. things that don't work we can dream that they can do it occasionally they do it never I'm trying to think of an example but give me one hmm, yeah <laughs> Let's read some comments. Uh, <laughs> Suzanne Anderson, I work with these women on a daily basis. Actually, commenters give us an example of government uh, spending that works really well, because I'm sure there's some examples. Um, I work with these women on a daily basis. Uh, some have serious mental health issues. Some, didn't just, some just didn't think they could get pregnant. Some have horrible emotional problems doing this. Education and the importance of planned pregnancy is seriously lacking, Suzanne Susan Anderson. I mean, this is true. Yeah, and and these were the patients that we took care of at San Francisco General. They just had not the capacity to make these decisions. And it may, whether it's education, whether it's some mental disability as well. So there's a component of that sometimes, um, not always, but occasionally. And you have you know, uh,
0: it's uh, it's ugly.
1: Uh, national parks
0: says Lauren Kent. What do you think of national parks, Tom <laughs> What the fuck does the government do for national parks? Keep them they playing. exist. They exist, they're developed. The government goes and picks up trash there. Congratulations. I'm a big fan of national parks. Yeah, they already existed. The government didn't do anything. No, the government protects them from development. They were already there. No, that's bullshit. The government didn't create national parks.
1: No, they they cordon them off, protect them, basically codify them. They say, this is the place that you don't fuck around with. Uh And then when the government shuts down, what happens? They're filled with trash and they're falling apart. And people are going and cutting down trees. Right. So...
0: Government does something. I'm saying, yeah, fine. Okay, fine. Government has uh, <laughs> the one use of the national parks. Let's see some more. Let's see some more. You know how much it costs to run the national parks? <laughs> There's no way it can be more than $20 million Su- a year.
1: Suzanne Anderson, education.
0: And yeah, they do a shit job of that. Well. What did we just
1: say? I'm a product of pure public schools. Never went to a private school except for yeah, you residency. You went to, you went to
0: the Cal system. It's different. They have better education. In, yeah, but California it was all public schools. That, But they are public schools. Yeah, but look at the nation's public schools. They're terrible. University of Michigan. My wife was a
1: product of public schools in South Carolina. Columbia, South Carolina. I went to Harvard. I went to public schools too. Yeah. You know,
0: half, the, you. half the time. I yeah. went to private school half the oh, time. Oh, that's true. You yeah. got kicked out of private school half the time. I did, yeah. yeah.
1: You got to tell that story about how you get kicked out of another time, maybe.
0: Schools. Somebody's going to say the roads, and that's the dumbest argument. I don't see that yet. Um, Listen, I'm being too far right when I say the government does nothing. The government is important for certain regulations. Like, nobody's going to fix the environment mm -hmm. other than a government coalition. That's true. And probably an international coalition. So anything that's a – what you're talking about is tragedy of the commons. So anything that is a tragedy of the commons, yes, government can intervene – to uh, stop that tragedy from occurring. Mm-hmm. Do they often? No. Mm. They did it with the national parks. Great. They don't do it with public health crisis. They don't do it with uh, you know, oh, they, 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 any they, of the things. They that we're could.
1: About. So I think public health is another good use. Because without that, like for example, if there's a flu epidemic, you know, they're the ones who are gonna start pushing on industry. Industry is really bad at self regulating unless there's direct money. So it's same with environment. You mentioned environment. The yeah. problem is with environment is it's un its unseen cost. So burning coal is great because you make a lot of profit, but the problem is you don't pay the unseen cost, we pay it collectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need something there. Quartz obviously
0: runs. By the way, I love this when everybody's like, I have an electric car. It's like, yeah, well it runs on coal. Yeah. And for every mile call. you drive, there's a pound
1: of <laughs> coal ash produced and, d- and don't forget the rare earth metals that had to be pulled to make that lithium battery right exactly uh and you know so it, it, there's no listen there's no free lunch
0: no there's no free lunch yeah. we do need some government when i when all i'm saying nasa this is the alt center show yeah, yeah. all i'm saying <laughs> is that we don't need to have these endless social welfare programs and we don't need we're already in a position where half of americans work and pay taxes and the other half of americans live off of those taxes paid Ah, yeah. I don't think that's right. It's happening. I don't think that's right. It's happening. I'm going to take the uh, center left here and say. If you live in California, I, do you know how much you pay in taxes if you're a high income earner? It's like 13% on the marginal dollar. It's like yeah. 60%. It's yeah. more than half. Yeah. You pay and you more know what? than half. And you know what? I would gladly pay those taxes
1: if people that I take care of in the hospital continue to get Medicaid, continue to be covered, continue to have social services because I use those services for those patients. So I actually see it. In action, what's interesting is I think case managers, social workers, tend to skew a little conservative mm-hmm. because they they do see some abuse, but they also see the benefit. So we're always struggling. If services get cut, it impacts us right away. You know why? Because we social we medicalize our social problems. Right. Yeah. So I actually think we should double down, get the social stuff figured, and we'd spend less on medicine. But again, you have to do it right, and I'm not convinced government can do it right without a lot of private input.
0: <laughs> it just means they can't do it. Well, wow, they can do it with help. They <laughs> You're can like, do it. oh, it they, gotta, can do it. they gotta have a lot of private input. They can, I think, they yeah, can, I because think the, so. because private enterprise does it most of the time. Nah, I don't know. I don't think so. I I think I think I think
1: we're both right and we're both wrong.
0: Yeah, on that true. one. Yeah,
1: I think I think that's I true. think so too. Yeah. Welcome, uh, welcome
0: to the alt center.
1: <laughs> and that's I think what we're doing on this show because me and Tom, these are the conversations me and Tom have on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And they come from a place of like fun and love and trying to figure out answers and in the end we just go,
0: Fuck it all, let's go to Taco Bell. It's like how America used to be, right? When it was like, you know, your your neighbor Bob was a Democrat and and you were a Republican, you'd be like, Hey Bob <laughs> You know, you just like rib each other over whatever nonsense issue was. You know what that's day.
1: that's what making America great again is. It is it's like having the discourse again. Yeah. And nobody's trying to
0: work on that. Not talking, not talking. Trump to each or other. Pelosi. Mm-hmm. They're both just like <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, see. you know
0: what I'm you know word I'm tired of? Systemic mm. I wish oh. I could never hear that fucking word again how I about we just lot. treat everybody like individuals and stop saying systemic all the time that's racist <laughs> um, we've come up on 57 minutes Tom Hineber
1: any parting words?
0: Elizabeth Warren is a fake Pocahontas <laughs> <laughs> it's called <Focahontas>, Pocahontas Pocahontas <laughs> Na- Logan is a million percent more Native American than, than Elizabeth Warren is. <laughs> so Mandy Shepard says,
1: Dr. Z, run for fucking president, please. That would be terrible. Yeah. You'd be I'm the too worst. center. I could never win. And I'm mm. too wishy washy. And I want to be liked sometimes. And yeah. the president's never liked. No, I know. Um, your face is systemic, says Donald Lordy. <laughs> uh, oh. In home health, I see it daily. So many young people not working. Pam LaHaye. Interesting. So Pam's taking your tact, which is, you know, we see just people, young people on disability not working.
0: Dude, 100%. Yeah. 100%. There's some truth. And what are politicians telling them? They're telling, that, you know, people like uh, Elizabeth Warren. They're, they're out there saying like, you know, I wish I could tell you that the system was fair, but it's not. It's shut up. Go out and work. <laughs> Moral matrix: fairness
1: versus cheating, Mm -hmm. care versus harm. That's a liberal moral matrix. Yeah. So you want to help people and you don't want people to cheat. Then they look at Trump and go, "This asshole inherited millions of dollars from his dad, and now he's, you know, trying to build a wall to keep people who are suffering out." That's how they see it.
0: We were we were just in Austin. Listen to to Logan. I can't even hear what he's saying, but. It sounds crazy. This thing where pe- <laughs> this thing where people are always like, you know, oh, the jobs, the, the trucking jobs are going away, and this is going away, and that's going away. How do you expect the little man to get ahead? We were just in Austin. Who are you calling a little man? And, there, there, and there's all these stupid electric scooters all over the place, <laughs> right? And so it's somebody's job to go around and change the batteries on these stupid scooters. So look, there's a new job, okay?
1: Go- <laughs> Someone just commented, "Holy shit! Trump just said he would reopen the government."
0: Katie Parker.
1: Hey, there you go. Who cares? Yeah. Nah, you know what? Well, you know what? Honestly, I will say this: people being forced to work without money is kind of shitty.
0: They, they always have a choice. They to, can
1: just stop going to yeah, work. But, but that's true. But then they're fired, right? Yeah. And then it's they go. Their cho- it's their choice.
0: Right. They have a choice to work. What? 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 Remember when we went through TSA? I don't feel bad for them at all because they have these cushy ass pensions <laughs> that we all pay for. And how am I supposed to feel bad for them? They Oh, they had to work for 22 days without pay. Yeah, can enjoy your fully funded, secure retirement while I have to be battered around in the markets with everybody else. You know what I'm
1: going to do? I'm just going to say I disavow any knowledge of that statement, but I'm going to sit here and, and, and just quietly
0: uh, quietly a, chill. It's 100% true what um, I said. Yeah. Nobody can debate it. I knew I should have ended this minutes ago, but I love it.
1: Um, temporary reopen of three weeks, says Michelle Owens. That's what they're doing. There you go. We're hearing this real time, guys. There you go. This is a real time freaking Bloomberg ticker. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Bloomberg? Uh,
0: the man or the... <laughs> <laughs> or the, the ticker. Ter- or the terminal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is such a white privilege thing to say. Oh, <laughs>
1: well, the man or the terminal? Because, I mean, I wouldn't have made my millions without the terminals, eh? The Bloomberg. Uh, forget it. I don't even want to know. I don't like Bloomberg, really, yeah. actually. Why? Because he's,
0: he's just weird looking? No, I just, I don't know. Something, Something, about, about, him. Him. Something yeah. about him. Something about him. Something about him. He's got the itis. He's got a punchable face. That's what, <laughs> that's what the liberals like to say. Is he, is he Democrat or Republican? He I was, uh, I think he was uh, independent.
1: And then he like hung out at the Democratic primary and like supported Clinton. And I'll then...
0: tell you who I'd like to see run is I'd like to see Howard Schultz run for the Democrats. Uh, but I don't think he will because I think he's probably secretly gay and he doesn't want to come out with that. Is that right? It seems that he's gay to mm. me, but I'm just speculating wildly. How strong is your gaiter? For it? anybody who doesn't know, Howard Schultz is the CEO, ex CEO of uh, Starbucks. Is he the current CEO? No, no, I don't think. Think so. he's he? retired. Yeah, he might have retired. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know, man. But I wanted Mitt Romney to run. I'm a, I, like, I would have voted for Mitt Romney. That's a know? weird thing. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's so strange. I think he just chose the wrong time to run. You know, was there ever a right time for? He's glaring. Class, classically, I tend to like the the Rockefeller Republicans, yeah, the right, Country yeah. Club Republicans. I hear you. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can see that. I, I I tend to like those guys because I think they're at the top of the competence hierarchy. Right, right. Like, right I think Mitt Romney right. is insane, Made money. insanely competent. And I yeah. think Trump is a dangerous moron. <laughs> well, on that, we can both agree.
1: <laughs> so, and this has been the Alt-Center show. I don't know what we're going to call it, but it feels like it's Alt-Center because um, it's extreme centrists. Uh, I don't know what it has to do with healthcare except for all the things about healthcare we talked about. Yeah. Do us a favor, become a supporter, Mm -hmm. get your CME, uh, hit share, subscribe to the podcast. Listen to the podcast we did with Peter Atiyah, I thought that was a good one, it was fun. Yeah, that
0: was very good. And
1: and Logan Stewart is watching and now starting to leave comments, which means we've overstayed our welcome. (laughs) We gotta go now. Because he's sitting right back there running the board. All right everybody, we love you guys, we're
0: out. (laughs) The wide, say hi to the wide. (laughs) Trump's a bitch. Oh. Hey, it's Dr.
1: Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe.